Chapter 25 Three Weeks Later New Orleans in early February was warm and contented, all but untouched by winter as it lazed on the shores of the Gulf of Mexico, warm breezes drifting languidly through the streets, the humid air rich with the promise of a sultry summer to come. In the weeks leading up to the extravaganza of Mardi Gras, the old city was cozy and quiet. The wrought-iron balconies that gazed down on Bourbon Street were bereft of revelers, the bars empty of all but the most determined drinkers. Only the colorful architecture and the ubiquitous beads, draped over stair railings and ornate window grates, and discolored from years in the sun, paid homage to the soul of the city. Like a wilting southern belle, or a showgirl a little past her prime, New Orleans clung to her past, rouged her cheeks and fluttered her lashes, dazzled the world with her faded cheek, and seduced new lovers with her timeless charm. Alex sat outside an outdoor café a few blocks down from the Café du Monde on Decatur Street, watching camera-clad tourists ease out of their tour buses on stiff, creaky legs and line up for the café's world-famous powdered sugar beignets. She'd been one of those tourists recently, ordering two of the delicious little pastries and a café au lait. And as she'd sat at one of the little white tables in the covered outdoor area, she'd tried to take pleasure in the experience, too. But she'd been unable to swallow more than a couple of bites and a few half-hearted sips. As delicious as everything was, she hadn't been able to enjoy any of it. She didn't enjoy much of anything anymore. And at this point, she doubted she ever would again. Nick had arrived as scheduled the morning after Eric had left, and had found her inconsolable in Eric's bed. In their bed. Eyes red-rimmed from crying, she'd told him everything, and let him hold her in his stern, uncomfortable way as she'd wept. He'd cursed Eric under his breath when she'd told him what had happened, but he hadn't said anything more. When she'd pressed him, he'd admitted he hadn't heard from Eric and had no idea where he was. She hadn't expected otherwise. Eric had told her as much, had strongly implied that he couldn't go back to PGI now. But somehow, hearing the proof of it, the undeniable final proof that he was gone, had been too much to bear. She'd cried her heart out, sobbing until she found herself retching into the toilet, even though there'd been nothing in her stomach to bring up. Nick had picked her up from the bathroom floor and carried her out to the waiting SUV, belting her into the back seat and tucking a blanket around her, his dark eyes sharp with worry. He'd taken care of her belongings and closed up the cabin, somehow knowing that she wouldn't have been able to do it herself. And then they'd driven away, and she'd cried until her eyes were like sandpaper. She'd felt like she was in the middle of a nightmare, wishing desperately to wake up and find herself safe in Eric's arms. But it hadn't been a nightmare, of course. It was her life now. Or what passed for a life, anyway. She sipped her cooling coffee and scanned the Times-Picayune classified spread out before her. She didn't even know what she was looking for, just some sort of employment that would keep her busy, keep her mind occupied, keep her sane and stable, and remembering to breathe. She knew she had no hope of working as a physician again, 
even though Nick had pulled some mysterious strings and given her the names of a few staggeringly wealthy people who wanted a private doctor on staff and couldn't care less if she were unlicensed. Sketchy people, she suspected, who could get their hands on medications, equipment, anything she needed. She'd thanked him and taken the names, but she knew she'd never call. If she went to work for yet another covert organization, or another mysterious group, if she delved into another shadowy world of people who didn't live by the rules, she would never be able to forget PGI and move on to a more normal existence. It hadn't been an easy decision to leave. She had stayed at PGI's operations base much longer than she'd intended, hoping beyond hope that Eric would return. She'd wanted to be somewhere he could find her, and had spent every day searching the horizon for any sign of him, every night imagining him walking through the front doors, scooping her up into his arms and kissing her, telling her he loved her and that he would never leave her again. But as the days melted into a week, and then nearly two, she'd stopped praying for a miracle and told Nick that she, too, had to go. He'd been incandescent with rage, of course, cursing the day Eric Johansson had been born. But she knew that deep down, Nick had understood, and that he knew why she had to leave. She knew that he, too, could see the reminders of Eric everywhere. His blocky handwriting on the call-out sheet, boots he had worn holes in and should have tossed but hadn't. Even the coffee mug he preferred. Small, stupid, meaningless things, things that had gone unnoticed when Eric had been around, but which caught the eye and hitched the breath now that he was gone. Even seeing his name on his chart one day had sent Alex running from the medical bay in tears. Thinking of his medical records now made her stomach twist, as it always did. She closed her eyes against the sensation and defied the tears that wanted to flow. She could only pray he had listened to her that he knew how serious his condition was and had found another doctor to take over his care. Without careful monitoring, without the devoted attention she had given him, she predicted he wouldn't survive more than a couple of years, and the mere thought of it stabbed into her so fiercely she had to grip the table to steady herself. Jobs, look for jobs, look for a roommate, anything. Just do it. She cast her eyes over the want ads, not registering anything she was reading. She forced herself to focus on a few of the ads. Ads for cashiers, for door-to-door -door sales, for order-takers. Order-taking over the phone she could do, she thought. She had a cell phone now, and a big, empty living room from which to work. She wasn't picky about the kind of work she did, as long as it kept her busy. Maybe she could deliver flyers door-to-door, -door, or newspapers, or... She really hoped he was still taking his medication. Stop it! Just stop it! She glanced up and around, trying to find something else to focus on. This new city of hers, this new start, this chance she'd taken to find a new life for herself, it had to be more compelling than her broken heart. She had to make it more compelling. Or else, what had been the point of leaving at all? If she was going to pine over Eric forever... She might as well have stayed with PGI. No, she had to move on. As painful as it was, it would only hurt for a little while. That's what Eric had promised her. And he probably knew better than anyone.
She sighed and folded up the newspaper just as the tall, grim-faced waiter approached. He was probably going to pester her to order something. The food here in New Orleans was utterly delectable when she could bring herself to eat it, but she had yet to meet a server who was anything but bored or surly or both. She turned to him to tell him not to bother, since she was just leaving, but before she could speak, he set a tray down in front of her, in the center of which sat a plain white mug. She looked up at him, frowning. I think you have the wrong table, she said. I didn't order this. I was asked to deliver this to you, he said flatly. The guy insisted you accept his compliments. What guy? The waiter lifted one shoulder, not even bothered enough to shrug with both. Some blonde guy. She looked back down as the waiter turned and left. The mug was full of what looked like hot chocolate. Her hands began to shake as she lifted it carefully to her lips. Cinnamon. Nutmeg. The hot zing of chili peppers floating over her tongue. Mayan hot chocolate. Oh, God! Eric! She was about to put the cup down and chase after the waiter when she spotted the carefully folded note that had been tucked beneath the cup. With trembling fingers, she unfolded the paper and stared at the blocky print. I'm so sorry for everything. I love you. I'm in hell without you and I want to be in heaven again. Your place, 15 minutes. E. She stifled a shriek of delight beneath the hand that flew up to cover her mouth. She pushed back the chair and stood, craning desperately to catch a glimpse of him, scanning every curious face in the cafe. Please let him still be here. Please don't let him have left yet. Prayers addressed to no one ran through her mind, as though merely repeating the plea could grant her wish. But the only eyes that met hers were those of strangers. She didn't care. She was too happy, too deliriously, buoyantly happy to care. She tossed a bill on the table to pay for her coffee and hurried from the cafe, her heart pounding out her excitement as she made her way home. I love you. I'm in hell without you, and I want to be in heaven again. He had called her his heaven the last time they'd made love. The memory washed over her, infusing her with an effervescent joy. She was his heaven, and he loved her. He loved her, and he was here. Eric was here. Somehow she had felt him over the past week, had been aware of his presence, his eyes on her, watching over her. She hadn't wanted to admit it to herself, hadn't dared admit it to herself, but she could have sworn he had been near. His familiar warmth, his heavenly scent the timbre of his low, mellow voice, whispering to her at her lowest moments, when the sadness was so sharp it stung, when the night dragged on so endlessly she thought she'd never see the sun again. He was here, and he was waiting for her to come home. She hopped in a cab and directed the driver to Faubourg Marigny, the artsy neighborhood northeast of the French Quarter, where she'd rented a small, Creole-style cottage. The drive was only ten minutes, but it felt like an eternity as she fidgeted in the back seat, silently cursing every red light, drumming her fingers relentlessly on the back of the headrest, until the cabbie slid her a dark look that made her stop abruptly and sit back against the cracked vinyl seat. When they finally pulled up outside her lavender and lemon-painted cottage, she paid the driver and dashed up the few stairs to her front door. He was probably inside, she thought giddily. Oh, God, he had probably picked the lock and was in there already waiting for her. 
She fumbled with her keys and turned the lock quickly, flinging open the door. Eric! She called out breathlessly, but only the cool darkness of the house greeted her, the silence telling her he wasn't there. Undaunted, utterly incapable of disappointment, she moved through the sparsely furnished house to the small back bedroom. She tossed her bag down on the bed and turned to check herself in the mirror. Her cheeks were glowing, and her eyes were bright, and the happiness she felt was making her look positively gorgeous, if she did say so herself. She wore her hair down and curly these days, and now she fussed at it nervously, hoping he'd still find it as alluring as he had a few weeks ago. It was even curlier in the humidity here, but it suited her. And besides, every time she caught a glimpse of herself in the mirror, the shiny curls reminded her of Eric's fingers sliding through them reminded her of the way he'd stared at her the first time he'd seen her with her hair down, and of what had happened almost immediately after he had. Flushing with remembered pleasure, she sat on the edge of the bed and checked her watch. He'd be here any second, she thought breathlessly. Any second now, she'd see his beautiful face again, would kiss those gorgeous lips and wrap her arms around his big, strong body. He was okay, she thought happily. He was alive and well and obviously okay, and he loved her. The words spilled out of her mouth as she repeated them over and over to herself, like she was picking petals off a daisy and divining his heart. Only this time every petal meant the same thing. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. With nothing to do but wait, her mind began to spin wildly, imagining a future with Eric. After so long, after holding back her own hopes and dreams for so long, every fantasy she'd ever had began to tumble riotously through her mind. He'd tell her he loved her, and that they'd find a way to make it work. She'd vow to go anywhere with him, to go back to Sweden if he wanted, to live anywhere as long as they could be together. Maybe they would both go back to PGI, she thought happily, thinking how wonderful it would be to see Nick and the others again. Maybe they'd be like Aiden and Taya after all. Maybe they'd get married and work together for PGI. Or maybe they wouldn't marry. She didn't really care. Compared to having him back in her life, the details didn't matter at all. Nothing mattered as long as she could hold him again, kiss him, touch him, feel his strength and see his beautiful smile. His skin would be warm and smooth. That delicious male scent of him would waft over her when she pressed her lips to that place on his neck that he liked. When she pressed her lips to all sorts of places he liked. It would be good. Everything would be all right, as long as she could feel him again. As long as she could hold him and never let go. As long as she could tell him how much she loved him. And how miserable she'd been without him. She fought back tears as she sat, clasping her hands together, almost dizzy with anticipation. And then she heard it, a light tapping on the front door, polite, unobtrusive, three little taps that might as well have been thunderclaps to her jangled, happy nerves. Her heart nearly leapt out of her chest as she rose on wobbly legs and made her way through the living room, willing her pulse to slow down. Just a few more seconds and she'd be in his arms again. She inhaled deeply, brimming with love and relief and a kind of weightlessness she hadn't felt in weeks. 
She reached the door and flung it wide, tears spilling onto her face even as she smiled. Then her smile faded and died. Alex, baby, Paul Haggerty said. You got my note. Thank God I finally found you. <laughs>